BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode here at The Basement Binge. More specifically, an episode as part of the two-year anniversary of the show. It's crazy that I've been doing this for two years. I am really excited, though, to be celebrating two years. For that, I'm giving away two $10 gift cards, but you got to stick around past the two cents to know how you can enter to win those gift cards. I'm very excited about that. But I'm also really excited to be talking about Real Steel. If you are somebody who clicked on this episode, downloaded whatever, and you're listening to it, Thank you so much for indulging me in talking about this film that probably doesn't have a huge audience for people on the internet to listen to an episode about. So if you are one of those, thank you. It is a film that I am extremely excited to talk about, especially after preparing this episode. So let's just get into it. Two cents here. If you're new to the Basin Binge, thanks for being here. The two cents is a spoiler-free section. I normally try and keep it within two minutes. It's normally way over two minutes. Uh, So I I should clarify, I don't try to keep it within two minutes. That was the idea, but it's always over two minutes, but it's completely spoiler free. So let's get into it here about the film Real Steel. So forever ago on an episode way long ago, probably two years ago, maybe like a year and a half ago, Kelton, one of the original tri hosts of the Basement Binge, proclaimed his love for origin stories and films. And it became a quip that we had on the show about orange stories because he misspoke and actually called an orange story. Anyway, I don't have a quip. Uh, I don't have some funny thing to say about this, but I do have my own proclamation that I have as part of the two-year anniversary for the Basement Binge. It's not a huge deal, but I love underdog stories. They just really speak to a part of me that (laughs) it's dear to me, I guess. It's really close to my heart. Maybe it's because I see myself as an underdog and not in like a conceited way, but just genuinely I see myself as somebody who people don't generally root for. Maybe it's because I struggle to root for myself. But, but either way, everything from great film, underdog films like Rocky, you know, or to a robot version of Rocky gets to me. This underdog story really gets to me. And Real Steel is way more than just Robot Rocky. That was just a quip. It does have its similarities, right? It's, they're both about boxing, naturally so. They're both an underdog story, but Real Steel has enough about it to completely stand on its own without being compared to Rocky. Yes, it is about boxing robots, which very much appeals to the child within me, but it's also a father-son coming-of-age underdog film, and that part of it, the heart, is what makes it last for me and makes it a film that is now a part of the podcast. It's something actually capturing heart within a film that the director 
um, Sean Levy is surprisingly good at taking this typical or mundane story and invigorating them full of heart, making the whole thing better in the process. It's something that I've seen with his films consistently. Now, Hugh Jackman, on top of that, is a great addition to someone to capture heart. He genuinely, as an individual, seems like one of the nicest people ever. And this character he plays here, Charlie Keaton, is one of my favorite characters he's ever played on film. He starts the film really arrogant and annoying and even a little bit rude, but you still love him and you really end up rooting for him throughout the film. Obviously, it's an underdog story, but there's something so genuine about him. The brokenness and authenticity to Charlie comes across extremely well. Both the good and the bad of this washed out boxer trying to make his way. The performance that Hugh Jackman gives here isn't like an Oscar contender. By no means is it anything like that. It's not even trying to be anything like that. But there's realness and subtlety to it that really comes across and everything about him feels natural and unforced and really genuine and feels like an individual, not a character. And it isn't just Hugh Jackman. Evangeline Lilly, Anthony Mackie, and Kevin Durand, they're all here. And whether they are like really emotional pieces to the story, like Evangeline Lilly, who is really fantastic to kind of the other side of the story for Charlie Keaton's character, or they're there for just fun, like Anthony Mackie and Kevin Durand, they capture a realness to these characters, and they genuinely feel like people, and it's super fun to watch. There's this one particular scene that conveys this realness extremely well. It's not a spoiler. Charlie and his 11-year-old son, they win a fight using their robot. They win a boxing fight. And so the 11-year-old, he goes up and grabs a microphone and he's all excited that they just won and he's screaming into the microphone with his excitement. And it genuinely sounds exactly like a child screaming with excitement. The microphone clips and the sound is distorted and his voice kind of peaks and it feels like a genuine moment, not just like a Hollywood fabrication. And that spirit is something that's continuous throughout the entire film that really makes this more than just robot boxing, rock'em, sock'em, robots, Rocky movie type of thing. Now, it isn't perfect. There's some poor child acting that comes across. There's some wooden lines, and there is a bit too much of smoothness to the entire thing that does cause a few missteps, but they're very minor in the whole picture here that really is so solid. On top of it being a story that already has a direct pass to my heart in it being an underdog's film, it cranks it up by having it feel so authentic and genuine, making the victory of this underdog even sweeter. The emotion, the victory, it's what lingers. Now, that sweetness that does linger and is, to me, the best part, is wrapped in even more goodness. I can mention other technical things about the film, like the music or cinematography, but both of those are mainly there just to get the job done, despite some moments that are genuinely really impressive and beautiful, particularly with the cinematography. But really, the wrapping of this film, the other key part about this film that is so much, is robot boxing. I mean, like, come on, robot boxing. It's fun. The, the, the visual and sound design of these robots, the fight choreography, it all makes it just a blast to watch. There was a lot of work that was done both with CGI, but even more work that was done with animatronics and practical effects to make these robots a part of this world. It makes the realness that I've been talking about with the characters even come across with the robots. And some of the shots that they had with animatronics even required up to or, or over 20 puppeteers to control the animatronics to be a part of the scene. Like that's a lot of work and it genuinely does come across. Now, something else about it to add on to this idea of realness. This film was released in 2011, but it takes place in 2020, 
just a year ago. So from the, the time the film was made, it's looking into the future. But even the way it handles like that sci-fi element of talking about the future is handled with realness. Now, I don't want to try and explain this because I think Sean Levy, the director, said it best. And this is a quote from him. The whole reason it's 2020 and not further in the future is because I knew this movie was going to be an underdog story and I didn't want the distant futurism of extreme science fiction. I wanted the world to feel really familiar so that the characters would feel really relatable. The cell phone we used five or 10 years ago looks different from today, but a diner still looks like a diner. And he truly accomplished his mission. Yes, it is a future, but it's not something that I'm thinking about in the film. What I'm thinking about is these robots boxing and how it relates to these characters and makes them truly relatable. Really, it's well done. The best part about Real Steel is how everything genuinely does feel real. So with that cheesy one line, let's close out our two cents here and move on to the next segments. Before I do that, I do have the announcements that I promised here. This is the two-year anniversary of The Basin Binge. I'm extremely excited about that. I can't believe that I've been recording episodes for two years. Now, there's some, been some peaks and valleys there. If you're a longtime listener, you know that. But we're here, two years, and it's, it's amazing to be here. So as part of that, I'm going to be giving away two gift cards. Now these gift cards are going to be for one of two things of the winner's choice, either like a movie theater in your local area or like a streaming service, uh, you know, like video on demand service where you can rent or purchase movies. Two $10 gift cards for either one of those two things of your choice when you are the winner. If you would like one of these, the way that you can enter this giveaway is very, very simple. I talk about it all the time and it is podchaser.com and leaving a review. Podchaser. The reason I'm choosing Podchaser is because I, I, like I've said before, they're the IMDb of podcasting. It allows you to learn so much about the show, not just the basement binge. On top of that, it is a uniform place where I can go and find individuals reviews because not everybody can leave reviews on Apple podcasts, even though I do appreciate them there. You can leave them there as well. Uh, They just won't count towards the giveaway. On top of that, it allows me to receive more direct feedback from you, the listeners, by not just receiving a review on The Basement Binge as a whole, but the ability to leave a review on the specific episode. So go to podchaser.com slash The Basement Binge, also linked in the show notes, and leave a review. You can leave a review on the podcast as a whole, or you can click on an episode. So make sure if you want, you can leave more reviews on an individual episode, be that this one or another one you've listened to. They don't have to be five-star reviews. Honest reviews are the most helpful thing, even though if it is an honest five-star review, even better. But every review that you leave for the entire month of September will enter you in the giveaway for one of those two gift cards. So review away all through September for those that giveaway. Also, if you want to help me out, you can share the show so other individuals Uh, can get in themselves on this two-year anniversary. So that's enough of announcements. Let's move on to the next segment here. Pick your poison. So this is the rating scale here at the Basin Binge. Instead of giving it five stars, like on Podchaser, we have four different options based on how we would interact with the film after watching it this initial time. Bottom of the list is to never watch it again. That's totally self-explanatory. Above that is to stream it. It's on a streaming services you've already paid for. You're looking for something to watch and it's just there. Above that is rent it. You'd be willing to pay a few dollars to rent it digitally or like through Redbox or something and watch it in the right circumstance. Top of the list is to buy it, whether that's to buy it physically like a Blu-ray or a DVD or digitally pay the full price for it, watch it as much as you want. Without a doubt for me to get into my poison to pick it for real steel, it is a buy. I watched it, I think about a year ago on Netflix and I just 
finish the film and knew I needed it. I bought it used because I was the only way that I could get the Blu-ray at the time. And it is a film that already for the podcast, I'm revisiting it. And it is a film that I know I'm going to watch again and again and share with my kids eventually. And this rewatch for the podcast is really what sealed it. You know, that one initial watch was enough to get me invested to buy the the Blu-ray. There was some hesitancy here, but after this rewatch, it really solidified it for me. This is a buy. So let's move on to the next segment, which I kind of hinted at here, Live Up. So Live Up is where I talk about my expectations for the film, and if it was able to live up to that expectation. You know, we're so good at naming things here. So I, like I mentioned, I remember watching this film on Netflix a year ago, but even way before that in 2011, I remember this movie coming out and being about 13 or so and really wanting to go see the film. I never did. I never went to go see it. I think I saw a friend who saw it and he didn't have too much to say about it. And it kind of just like escaped my mind. And, and if I would have seen it, it probably would have been my favorite film at that age but I never did. But it was something that was always kind of like in the back of my mind, like it just knew about it, like, oh yeah, Real Steel, that was that movie that I wanted to see. And so randomly last year, I saw it on Netflix and thought, why not? I always wanted to watch this. I'm looking for something to watch. You know, it, at that time, even without seeing it, it fit into the stream category of Pick Your Poison, where it was just, I was looking for something to watch and it was there. And when I clicked on it, I was expecting a cliche underdog movie about robot boxing. And I got that. It was there. And I had no complaints about that. But what I was not expecting is the way that the film really gripped my heart and the heart that the film had. Adding the struggle that Charlie has about not feeling good enough and the struggle of trying to be a dad with this kid that he doesn't really want, but also learning that he does want it and also just trying to get by in life after feeling like he's been knocked on his feet so many times. There is so much about this that, yes, so many elements of this film, of this story have been done before in so many different ways and formats, but there's enough uniqueness to this particular version that it does feel fresh. There's freshness to it, but even more than that freshness, it's the the reality and the relatability to these characters that really makes it a worthwhile watch for me. And so getting into my expectations this time around, because that first time it really blew me away in how much I just immediately loved the film. So this rewatch, watching it again, I was hesitant to pick it for the podcast, but timing made me cancel a separate episode and then nothing really felt like it fit into what I wanted for the two year anniversary. I honestly don't really have a theme. There's just kind of like films that I wanted to talk about for the two year anniversary. And so Real Steel just kept coming to mind and fit it fit that random specification that I had for the anniversary. But even as I hit play the other day to watch this, I was worried. I was kind of hesitant. Am I going to be disappointed? This film was on such a high note for me and I loved it and I had so many positive things to, to say about it and it kind of held dear to my heart. Am I going to ruin that? And I did not at all. More than anything, it solidified that memory and the love for this film. I was reminded why I love this film and how much I really do because I, I watched the film and just loved it. I, I rated it extremely high on Letterboxd and I was like, yeah, that film is great. I love it. And then time went on and, and, and other people's criticisms, not just as a film, but just like film criticism in general, it can make it kind of hard to keep your love for a film that isn't, you know, perfect to use air quotes that you can't see because this is an audio format, whatever. So rewatching it here reminded me, yes, to me, this film really is 
that good. And it doesn't have to be to everybody else. And by no means is that the intention of this podcast. It's just for me to share something that I love and hopefully help you find something else that you love or just find more in something that you just kind of thought was meh. So that being said, it lived up to its own expectations and exceeded them in a way that I was not expecting both times. So let's move on to the next segment here, binge points. Now, there's not a ton here because this is an original film and it is kind of standalone and I've only seen it twice. Um, But let's talk about more of those behind the scenes things. I already mentioned the use of animatronics and, and practical effects for the robots. For the CGI that was used, a lot of it was actually motion captured with professional boxers. Um, and that boxing was supervised by Sugar Ray Leonard. So that's pretty cool. Um, the other things here just in the film that I think are fun, the car driven by uh, Tak Mashido that he drives away in when he's mad is a Tesla Roadster 2.5 Sport model. So that's kind of fun to see that, you know, in 2020, as the film says. The, the other thing here about cars that I just thought was hilarious this was this is what I'm about to read is a direct quote off the IMDb details page. If you don't know, that's like user generated information. So anybody with an IMDb account can go on there and add information. And the way that this person, whoever it is, worded this made me laugh out loud, literally just the way that their passion just seeds out from it. So anyway, this is the direct quote. The truck that Charlie hauls his fighting bot in is a 1960 Sightliner one of the ugliest trucks ever built. <laughs> and just like the, the add-on, one of the ugliest trucks ever built. Like, is that like the general consensus? Because I actually thought the truck was pretty cool. So like why, I, I don't know, I, just the passion that comes across there I thought was hilarious. Um, other things here, there's, this film has some fun cameos. John Gattins, the kingpin, he plays the promoter at the zoo who they beat. And that's actually the screenwriter for the film. Sean Levy's daughters, Sophie, Tess, and Charlie, they play those three little girls at the beginning of the film who want the picture with ambush, you know, and they take his leg for $5. Um, the film's stunt coordinator plays Midas's operator. That's Garrett Warren. He's a stunt coordinator. So yeah, that, that, that's really fun. On top of that, when promoting his newest film that came out earlier this year that I went and saw, Free Guy, Sean Levy, who directed both of those films, in a promotion talked about how there are talks going on right now with Hugh Jackman about making a second film. He wants to make it with Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds. And looking at the results of this first film, Real Steel, it had an estimated budget of about $100 million and made a worldwide gross of $300 million, doubled its budget. So Oh, actually almost tripled it looking that amount though. So that's actually better than I thought. Uh, it also has a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes and seven out of 10 on IMDb. So there's definitely room for a sequel. And there's also room enough that that was headlines uh, just like a few weeks ago, you know, not just one, but multiple headlines. Uh, so clearly it's worth, it has draw, it has attention. The other thing here that I just thought going back to that realness that I talk so much about in the two cents that I think really comes across, even in the creation of the film, Sean Levy just has a knack for these types of things and it, it works so well. So Dr. Pepper, you've, you probably, if you've seen this film, you probably thought it was a product placement. Like there is so much in this film, but it actually wasn't. It was something that, uh, so Max in the film, the, the 11 year old, he drinks it a ton of it as he's staying up all night working on Adam. And it actually isn't product placement. Sean Levy actually just got permission from Dr. Pepper to use it without any type of endorsement or financial uh, encouragement from them. The reason he wanted to use Dr. Pepper is because he wanted it to be a recognizable drink with caffeine that people could relate to something that keeps a kid up all night, right? He wanted it, again, that relatability to come across. And 
And with that, I, I will say Sean Levy is just an absolutely underrated director. He's, he's phenomenal at this stuff. So with that, let's move on to the last or second to last segment here, least and likes. Very straightforward. My least favorite scene and my favorite scene. So least favorite scene here is when they actually find Adam. Just the way that, that, that Max falls off a cliff at the exact right spot to be caught by Adam's hand and then how Charlie helps him up but then leaves. So then Max is there on his own and manages to get Adam out of that like cliff that they were on on his own and bring him back. It, it takes the realness out the most out of any moment in the film and adds a bit too much of like luck to an otherwise really fulfilling underdog story that's all about like personal accomplishments of overcoming obstacles in your life and, and that, that chance of luck while being something that does add to the fantasy nature of this story uh, does take a little bit away from me. Now, my favorite scene is two moments that I think are one of them that I think comes across as just genuine and real and another moment that is just a great film moment for me. So the, the, the real genuine moment in contrast to my least favorite scene is when Charlie actually comes back for Max. So he gives Max to Max's aunt who has custody, but then he comes back to the house and, and the way that he talks to Charlie or the way that Charlie talks to Max is phenomenal. I'm going to get more into it and fall in. The other favorite scene I have is, of course, the fifth round, the final part of the film that they have with Zeus. The, the time that Adam starts to win and Charlie lands that jumping right jab. And it just it's so much fun to watch. And it's exciting. It's an underdog story. And that just all really works for me. And then the sound fades out and we get that emotional music. And both Max and Bailey see Charlie in his glory. It, it really gets me. Both times I watched the film, it got me emotional. Yes, it's totally cliche, maybe a little bit trite, but it works so well for me. And not just that moment, but like the entire journey that leads up to the moment, but also the entire fight, just the way it done. It is a great typical movie making moment uh, just to pull my heartstrings that I enjoy. So with that, let's get into Fall In where I'll talk a little bit more about my favorite scene there. Because I think this film... If you don't know what Fallen is, this is where I jump into the themes or messages or meanings about the film that I really like. Try to make movies meaningful. So that being said, I think this film is a phenomenal story about broken people trying their best while still being broken. In it being an underdog story, the the character has to be an underdog. And the reason that he is is because there's so much in his his past and his life that didn't live up to his own expectations. And so he's not at the level that he would hope. And because of that, he's just kind of bumbling around broken, but still trying to be their best. You know, even, even the way that Charlie comes around to not being a jerk feels real. It is not a full 180, but a slow, gradual realization of what actually matters to him. And after years of running around, ignoring it because of his shame or his disappointment, he actually tries to fight for it. And I, I just think it's phenomenal the way that that really is a relatable story. And there's some lines here that I just, I think are so great that come when Charlie is dropping off Max back to his aunt who has custody of him to kind of give him back, send him on his way, be done with their little journey together. And he says, what, you thought you and me and a little robot from the junk heap were going to ride off into the sunset? You forgot who I was. You deserve better. 
and and there's so much to pick apart in those two lines. One, the idea that maybe we limit ourselves that we aren't somebody who could ride off into the sunset. Why not? Why can't Max, Charlie, and Adam ride off into the sunset together? Who says they can't? More than anyone, Charlie says that. Charlie is the one saying that they can't. And saying you forgot who I was isn't just saying like, oh, I haven't been the best, but like, I haven't been the best, therefore I will remain not the best. And and that shame or disappointment of being a broken individual really feeling the weight of that and the difficulty of your past mistakes brings, I mean, like that really is crushing and can make you give up on other people and your potential for riding off into the sunset, as we say, and as the film says. And I think that it's so, that moment is like a real crushing moment for Charlie. And as uh, they leave, Charlie's saying, what do you want from me? Then Max responds, I want you to fight for me. And so while I think the film really, these lines, like I just first talked about talk, show Charlie's brokenness and the difficulty of fighting that brokenness, it also shows the other side of the family and, and the difficulty of having somebody who is broken, which we all are in our own way, but how those that love us, that's what they want. They, they want to see us trying, not just with words and shallow promises, but actually trying. And it, it was a good reminder to me of both sides of it. As we move on, we see Charlie then go back to talk to Bailey, Evangeline Lilly's character, and how she's trying to convince him to be there for Max and be his dad and, and kind of making the comparison to her own dad. And Charlie, Hugh Jackman's character, comes back and says, he was in your corner from day one talking about Bailey's dad. Me, I blew it. I blew it. Which in essence translates to, your dad was, was good. He, he did the right thing. But I wasn't. And so I can't be. Like, what a crushing, difficult attitude that so many of us carry around. I know that I do. Man, this is a really worthwhile thing that, that is important to me that I really value in my life that would bring a lot of goodness. But because I wasn't good then, I can't be now. I mean, I don't, I don't have the answer to like changing your mind. But man, that's a relatable experience. And so that then leads Max to come back, or excuse me, Charlie to come back to get Max. And I love what he said when he comes back from, he said, I came to tell you that I heard you. I'm a little slow, but I got it. I got it. And he says some other things and then continues. I can't get those years back, Max, but if you're up for it, I'm ready to fight. Maybe that's the answer. Can't get those years back, but I'm ready now. And, and I just love the reality. I feel so much relatability to this character, Charlie. I'm a little slow, but I got it. And I just love that the realness that's there and the reminder to me that it's like, okay, whether I was slow or not, I got it now and I'm ready to fight. I can't make those years up, but if this individual or this thing or whatever it is, this partnership, whatever you want to pick, if that's up for it, I'm ready. Let's go. I think it's great. And, and we carry that idea and that emotion into the final, the fifth fight, the fifth round with Zeus and they're having to change it so that Charlie is going to shadow box and, and Max is trying to get him to do this. And he just says, but I can't do it. He just flat out says, I can't do it. And then Max says, I need you to fight. 
and I love the film for this reason. It's people choosing to fight despite doubts or lack of past effort or whatever. The entire story from Max and Adam to Charlie shadowboxing, it's all about people fighting for something, whether that's literal fighting like boxing or otherwise, for something that matters to them despite whatever obstacles are there. Be those obstacles that are placed by our own past actions or just by the nature of life. And the ending for me is just full of so much heart, purity, if you will. It feels real and genuine and it gets to my emotions every time. Now, purity is a weird word to use, but it came to me and I wrote it down. It's what comes to mind because it's one of those moments, and I'm talking like way beyond just the film, one of those moments in life that it makes me want to experience and reminds me that I have experienced where it's pure. Despite everything else before or after, right now is pure. Zeus or whoever can go on and win the fight. But right now I'm fighting and that's what matters. And I just love it. It's a good reminder to me of what I'm fighting for and why I'm trying to, but also just of the joy that that does bring while also just being a hugely entertaining film that I enjoy watching. So thank you for listening to me talk about Real Steel. I didn't know I had this much to say about it, honestly. I thought I was just going to talk about how it was full of heart and feeling real. But that's the beauty of Fall In. I start to work on these episodes. I remember even two years ago, just having conversations. And, and the process starts, and it starts working really well. And it reminds me of why I love movies, why I like reviewing movies, why I like talking about movies, but also why I like having these type of conversations, even if I'm just recording into a microphone and I have no idea who's listening. It benefits me. So I appreciate you listening if you were one of the individuals who listened to the Real Steel episode. If you would like, you can leave a review on this exact episode, podchaser.com slash the basin binge, also linked in the show notes. That will enter you if you are reviewing in the month of September to win one of two $10 gift cards. You can even use it to rent this film if you want. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for supporting the Basement Binge all the way up to two years. I can't believe like two years. Man, that's amazing. It's, it's exciting for me to, to say that and know that two years I've been recording episodes. So thank you so much for downloading the Basement Binge. Thank you for listening. Once again, reminder, if you'd like a gift card, leave a review on Podchaser. Additionally, one other thing, if you would like to be on the show, if you've got a conversation for Fallen that you want to have, or a film that you want to talk about, you can send me an email, also linked in the show notes, but it is binge basement, B-I-N-G-E, basement, at gmail.com. You can send me an email. We can coordinate a time to, to have you be on the podcast. That would be awesome. So once again, my name is Harrison. This is The Basin Binge. And thank you so much for listening for two whole years. Thank you for listening to this fun episode. Leave those reviews on Podchaser for those gift cards. But that is all for now. Ciao, ciao. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live 
bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 